Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and today is a follow-up on episode 288. In 288, we talked about making progress towards your goals in spite of emotional pain, like how to not let emotion keep you from taking care of yourself or keep you from making progress towards your goals. And I shared with you guys that I asked some of my Fat Loss Fast Track veterans as well as some of my Masters Club members for their questions and comments on this topic, and there were so many great ones, some of whom, you know, they came from people who are looking for guidance or suggestions or help, and other people were sharing what has really helped them take good care of themselves even when life is really challenging. So I've put together a list of the questions and the feedback that I received, and I'm going to go through them one at a time. Because I really believe that if one person has a struggle or a challenge or a question, no doubt many other people do too. And if something works for somebody, no doubt it absolutely could also help somebody else. So with that said, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you have not yet listened to 288, which is just the episode before this, please do that first to get a little bit of context. Because the premise here is that emotional pain happens and... We don't need to use it as an excuse to not take care of ourselves. In fact, it can be the reason that we do take care of ourselves because that is when it matters most. Now, I don't mean that you need to be pursuing a specific fat loss goal during a period of grief, but what I do mean is that what you feel is separate from what you do. And your actions can either improve your emotional state or make it worse. And When we can be, through our choices, our own ally instead of our worst worst enemy, when we can leverage the power of choice to help us instead of hurt us, life gets way easier and our progress is no longer dependent on our circumstances. Like everything's going well when life's going well and everything's a disaster when life is a disaster. So I'm going to go through these comments one by one and give my feedback. The first one came from somebody that says, how do you snap yourself out of focusing on only that one negative, painful, hurtful, damaging thing and throwing caution to the wind on everything else? For me, I think the first key is to understand and accept that you can in fact change what you're thinking about, that you do fundamentally have that power. If you don't think that you have the power to control what you think about, then you're not really gonna be able to change your thoughts because you believe you can't, right? You believe that what you think is what you think and you don't have any power to change it. I am not suggesting that your brain won't instinctively return over and over and over to the point of pain, it likely will. 
but only because that's currently your pattern, focusing on what's wrong. But you can change that pattern. It's kind of like biting your nails. You, and only you, have 100% control over what you do with your hands. There's no magical force working on them. Nobody is forcing them into your mouth. You have 100% control. But if it's a habit, you might be bringing them to your mouth, your hands to your mouth, without really paying attention. So doesn't mean you can't change that habit. First thing here in terms of how do you stop focusing on only that one negative, painful, harmful, sad, lonely thing is about realizing that you're in control and wanting to change, wanting to change. Sometimes, and I said this in 288, sometimes we just want to focus on that negative thing because we want to feel justified and validated. We want to stay in this place of I'm hurt and it's not fair. I'm sad. But at some point, are you willing to let go so you can heal? Are you willing to move beyond or look past that so you can have some relief from that pain? It's like I shared in the, I read a blog post in episode 288, one of my blogs, that a thing can happen and it can hurt and it can suck and it can be unfair. But there is a difference between the thing that happened and our fixation on it, on our thinking about it or reviewing it or replaying it. And most of the pain comes from us, from the things we think about it, from the attention, from the rabbit holes we go down, the problems we manufacture, the attention we give to the problem, the attention we don't give to the solution or to what is right about our lives or to what we are capable of, to where we go from here, to what we can do to make today better. One of the things I talk about in Breaking Barriers, which I strongly and without reservation recommend to anybody who is struggling with negative self-talk, doubt, having trouble breaking through emotional pain. I strongly recommend breaking barriers. One of the things I talk about in there and how, how the lifespan of an emotion is about 90 seconds, about 90 seconds for it to travel through your nervous system. And then if it's kept alive beyond that, It's because of our focus and our attention, our thought. We are literally pouring fuel on the fire of pain with our attention, right? And I completely understand that in a moment, it takes less energy to stay with the negative thought than to like tear your your attention away from it. It feels easier to stay with that negative thought because that's our pattern or maybe because we want to feel justified and we want to be a victim because there's some solace in that. It's just like when you're biting your fingernails. Sometimes it takes less energy to bite them than to not bite them because it's your habit. But in the long run, staying with that negative thought creates more pain and it prevents you from moving forward and moving beyond and finding that happiness and peace. So sometimes we'll notice that we're thinking about this painful or this sad thing. And we notice because we catch ourselves in the moment of thought or we notice because we recognize we feel like trash, right? We feel sad or anxious or lonely or angry. And I don't think that at this point it's about snapping yourself out of it, but gentle redirection. Gentle redirection, like, hey, I'm focusing on this thing again. What's right about my life? What's good in my life? What's right about this day? What can I do to make myself smile? Maybe it's a song, right? Or even just How can I bring my full attention to what I'm doing right now and get out of the thought and into reality? The other thing that really helps me is reminding myself gently, not in a drill sergeant, tough love kind of way, reminding myself, hey, 
life isn't supposed to be easy all the time. Sometimes it's wonderful and hard at the same time. Sometimes it's wonderful and easy at the same time. It's part of the journey. Every rose has its thorns, right? And <laughs> you're welcome that I didn't sing that, but I thought about it. I thought about it. Um, the next question is kind of similar. How do you replace negative self-talk with positive? Sometimes it's hard to remember that I am worth the focus and the energy on myself. And also maybe some ideas on how to stop focusing or even obsessing on the stressor. I find it's easier when I'm busy, but when I have downtime, it's hard not to let my mind and thoughts spiral into negativity. When that happens, I'm not able to focus on doing what is good for me. First of all, you are able, you're just not practiced. You're always able to redirect. The only reason you feel like you can't is because you haven't practiced. This comes down to practice. It's just like if you get pissed off at yourself because your intention is to stop biting your nails and here you go, finding yourself with them in your mouth again because you're stressed, because you're overwhelmed. It's not that you're not capable of it. It's just practice, right? Practice over and over, redirect, redirect, redirect. And there are many ways to tap into that. And I think journaling is a really powerful one of them. And, and I think the other thing too is reminding yourself, instead of I can't change it when I'm stressed, when I'm emotional, when I'm whatever, if you tell yourself when this happens, I can't do anything about it, then you won't. But if instead you work on before you even focus on changing your behavior, reminding yourself that you can. Like that's the first step, really convincing yourself, I actually am in control of this. I might not be practiced yet, but I do have that control. Just like it might not be easy to keep your fingers out of your mouth when you're trying to stop biting your nails, but you certainly can, you're just not practiced. One of the things that I've shared with you guys before that I have written on a sign on my desk, it says, I control the narrative. If it's not working, change it right? So if you keep telling yourself this story, whether it's the story of when I'm stressed, I can't take good care of myself or it's too hard, or it's the narrative of this awful thing happened, life sucks, why bother? Either way, you control the narrative. And if the narrative isn't working for you, if it's not getting you what you want, if it's not creating feelings that you want to feel, change it. Change it. Tell yourself a different story. I, I just thought of an email that I got from somebody. I should have pulled it up, but oh well, I'll tell you what I remember of it. She was saying that she was stuck in this cycle and she was describing this cycle that wasn't working and the things she's not happy about and why she feels like she's not good enough for X, Y, and Z. And I said, you need to create a different story because for as long as this is the story you tell, whether it's the story you tell me, and if you're telling me, you're certainly telling yourself, or it's the story you only tell yourself or you tell your spouse or your sisters or brothers or coworkers or whatever, change the freaking story. As long as that's your story, that's your story. Change the narrative. Instead say, I do have control. I can change this. I need more practice, but it's totally something that is possible for me. One of the things that Tony Robbins does to help people when they feel like I can't make progress when I feel this way or this pain is paralyzing. This pain keeps me from what I really want. He does this activity that he calls changing your state. So for example, every time you find yourself thinking about that heartbreak or that financial catastrophe, you like do a somersault or a cartwheel or you sing, don't worry, be happy, like something totally to break that pattern, that rhythm. You start fake laughing at the top of your lungs. And 
I'm a little too uh, introverted or jaded for that. And I'm kind of kidding, but except I'm completely not kidding. Tony Robbins is way smarter than I, so I have no doubt that it works, but I, I have a little bit more of a reserved personality than he does. So I don't do the state change, although I think it could be awesome. And I've shared with you, I've done it in some ways, like when arguing with my mom, I literally dropped down onto the grass outside and started doing burpees because I was just like, this is crazy and I don't want to continue this conversation. So that is obviously one way. I take a slightly more reserved approach in my own life because I'm just a more reserved personality. When I'm focusing on this painful thing, what good could come from it? This thing that I am currently seeing as like the end of the world, it's not fair, it sucks, it's hard, it's this, it's that. What good could come from this? Turn this thing I resent into something that could, theoretically, hypothetically, be in my favor. This heartbreak, did it teach me more about what I want? Is it going to turn itself around in some way down the road? Did it teach me to appreciate what I have? Is it opening me up for something that is more suited for me in my life? I don't know how the story is going to end. So maybe it's not this catastrophic loss. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just a fork in the road. Who knows? I don't know how the story is going to end. So why do I have to choose to be fatalistic? Why do I have to choose to see it as this huge loss? I don't know what's going to come from it. Or in the case, for example, of like somebody dies when I, when I lost my dad. When I think about, and it's easy, I can in a minute take myself back to the day and feel all that pain again in my head. But then I can say, what good came from it? Are there characteristics about me now that developed as a result of that pain? Absolutely. Did it help me grow up? Oh, yeah. Did it help me become stronger? Sure did. Did it help me appreciate all that he was to me, maybe in ways that I overlooked when he was alive? Oh, yeah. Did it bring me closer to other members of my family? Sure did. Did it create new opportunities in my life? Yep, it did. It did. Did it help me tap in myself to some of his most amazing attributes that were within me, but I didn't really act on? Sure did. Or if I look at being overweight and depressed for most of my life, I could be really bummed about everything I missed out on, right? The relationships, the career opportunities, the experiences. But I can also say what good came from it. I am way more empathetic because of all I went through. It's given me a greater sense of accomplishment and pride in how far I've come now because of how great my struggle was. It also led me to my mission, to my path, to my career in a way that wouldn't have happened without that struggle. So expand your perspective. Stretch beyond the tunnel vision of pain. Stretch beyond the tunnel vision of it's not fair, right? And remember that it is a matter of practice. Redirect, 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 just like you were training a dog or training yourself not to bite your nails, right? If it's still hard, it's not because you can't change, it's because you haven't practiced enough. So commit to the practice of redirecting your thoughts and remind yourself it will get easy, but easy is earned and you just haven't earned it yet. And that's okay. Be patient with yourself. Somebody else commented, in your mini-sode, I don't know which one, in your mini-sode, you mentioned that taking care of yourself helps everything else, even when times aren't great. So I think practical advice on how to remember that in 
those other times, the hard times, would be helpful. And also how to overcome the ingrained notion that self-care in those times has to be self-indulgent, like treats, etc. Okay, so as far as how to stay mindful, like how to remember to take care of yourself when times are tough, I think journaling is so huge here because without journaling, we tend to be very reactive. We react to our thoughts and our feelings without being proactive, without considering alternatives. It's just impulse reaction, impulse response, and and we don't take the time. I think the Viktor Frankl quote that I've talked about here on the podcast a lot is where a lot of people miss opportunities to improve their choices or their mindset or their lives. And the Viktor Frankl quote goes like this. Between stimulus and response, there is a pause. And in that pause is your power and your freedom. But people get tripped up because they don't notice the pause. They don't take advantage of the pause. And journaling helps you see the opportunity to pause. It helps you recognize when you're down, right? And the more you recognize it through journaling, the more you'll recognize it in times when you're not journaling. I can catch myself in a moment where maybe I'm feeling kind of sad, kind of down, questioning everything, and I can say, uh, you're tired. Or, you know what, you actually aren't as down as you think you are. You've just been making crappy food choices, and so everything seems darker than it actually is because you've created a physical state of lower energy. So how about you reevaluate this in a couple of days after you really tighten up the food choices you're making, right? So journaling helps us find the pause, recognize when we're feeling down, and it allows you to see other options objectively on paper. And as silly as it seems, I really suggest creating a list. Create a list of the things you can do to feel better, or a list of things that are great about your life, or a list of things you have to look forward to. And everybody's list can and should look very, very different. As for the difference in the last comment about the difference between self-care and self-indulgence, I think they ultimately mean the same thing. But when we're thinking about things like the cupcake or the cookie, indulging, ask yourself, do I really feel better after I have that? Because you can call food an indulgence, but if it leaves you feeling tired or guilty or more emotional or defeated or leaves you self-loathing, there's nothing about that that's an indulgence. Just saying. The next comment. The more grief or stress I am under, the harder it is for me to prioritize and keep rhythms or patterns. Smaller things seem to take more effort. This past season, for several reasons, has been more stressful and emotional. It seems like getting up and getting the kids dressed, fed, etc. takes way more effort than usual. Also, my sleep patterns are greatly interrupted. Even trying all the things to help sleep, it just isn't great in times of stress and sadness. And I am more prone to think thoughts like, who cares if I eat crappy? Who cares if I gain a little weight? And I do care. I make excuses. Stress and sadness quickly highlight those areas that need more practice, like emotional eating. Personally, one of the more prominent challenges is meal planning, cooking, and shopping when I am really sad or deeply stressed. And, you know, you mentioned that it's harder to keep the rhythms when you're overtired or you're stressed or emotional. And I think back to the Marcus Aurelius quote that I mentioned in 288. If jarred unavoidably by circumstance, report it, uh, revert at once to the rhythm, to the pattern. Keep your wins really small here. If you feel like things are taking more energy, more effort, 
do less, set the bar lower. Like today, I'm going to win the morning by making my bed or I'm going to win the morning by showering within 30 minutes of waking up, right? Lower the bar, make it easy to clear. I'm going to be in bed by 10, whether it takes me three hours to fall asleep or not. I'm going to meditate for 60 seconds, right? Expect less. Keep it super, super simple. And the other thing related to meal planning, like one of the more prominent challenges is meal planning, cooking, and shopping is what, what this comment said. Simplify that too, right? Maybe that is when you do Chipotle three nights that week. Or when it's scrambled eggs and bacon for dinner. Or if you can, that's when you turn to something like a meal delivery service, if that is an option for you. Or you get a rotisserie chicken and a bag of shredded lettuce. Lower the bar. Simplification takes many, many forms. And then when you find yourself thinking, I don't care, because to the point in the comment, you actually do care. Whenever you find yourself saying, whatever, I don't care, sit down with your journal and literally write out that question. Is that true that I don't care? What do I care about? What matters to me? Literally write that in your journal. The next question or comment says, for me, the biggest times I have... The biggest times I have difficulty is knowing that exercise and healthy choices will make me feel better, but I don't take action, which makes me feel worse and starts the spiral. How do I step out of the spiral? How do I trigger taking action? Small steps, teeny, teeny, tiny, lower the bar. Okay, yeah, you know that a workout will make you feel better, but you're like, screw that. You don't have to go to the gym. Do five body weight squats in your kitchen, right? Get down on your bedroom floor and do five push-ups. That's it. Start super, super small. Okay, you don't want to eat healthy all day long? That's fine. Say, I'll have a fat loss friendly breakfast or I'll, you know, drink a half a liter of water or whatever. Don't think about what you're not willing to do because this is where we often go. I'm not working out today. New way. Eating healthy is the last thing I want to do. Don't focus on what you won't do. Say, okay, what am I willing to do? There's no way in heck I'm going to the gym, but I will take the stairs at work. But I will stop and do a 60-second meditation. But I will have alcohol or carbs at dinner, but not both, right? Set the bar low and ask yourself, what am I willing to do? The next question comment says, um, I've been living with this emotional eating downhill slide since last April. The really grim part of it all for me is finding ways to really believe that I am worthy to receive the same level of care that I devoted myself to as the primary caregiver for my husband. There is something about self-esteem at the root of giving myself permission to cast all caution to the wind and live on junk food and sugar as I was eating my way through the emotion. That was contributing to my unwillingness to take the time to shop and cook for myself, too. This little voice inside my head whispering, why bother? I'm in a better space now, but I still have moments of this dynamic from time to time. How can I deal with it? So at the root of this, it is, why bother, right? And I so get this, because if you give up on yourself and you say, why bother, when you won't, right? I think the question here is, why give up, right? One of the exercises I go through with some of my clients 
is in creating their ideal. And I have them write down on paper, what does your ideal day look like? Or what is your ideal lifestyle, a day in the life, ideally? Or your ideal emotional state? How do you ideally want to feel as you go through the day? Or what does your ideal body look like? So spend some time working through how do I want to feel ideally and what kinds of choices create those feelings? Because, for example, if I go through a period of time where I'm saying, why bother? I'm too tired. I can't deal with this. And then I eat whatever I want. I can assure you that I will feel awful. And you probably do, too. Low energy, way more emotional than usual, tired, defeated, depressed. But if I ask myself, well, Elizabeth, how do I want to feel? I want to have energy. I want to be happy. I want to feel emotionally stable. I want to have meaningful, fulfilling, rich relationships in my life. And I want to experience the full spectrum of life. And if I ask, okay, well, what choices will create those feelings? It's basically the complete opposite of the choices I make when I say, why bother? Right? To create how I want to feel, that means prioritizing sleep prioritizing journaling and gratitude, making food choices that keep my energy level, that help stabilize my mood. Because guys, I know I'm not alone when I say I am way more moody and way more down when I'm eating processed foods and more sugar than when I'm eating really clean and fat loss friendly. So don't just follow the thought of why bother because you have before. Question it. Go deeper. How do you want to feel and what choices will create those feelings? And then which of those choices are you willing and able to make today? Here are a few other comments, and these are primarily from clients that are talking about what they do that helps them. Uh, this one says, in the past, I've used periods of emotional pain as an excuse for not making good choices. I would talk myself into letting myself off the hook. I now realize Letting myself make not so good choices wasn't a gift to myself. It made things worse. It's during times of emotional stress when it's most important to take impeccable care of myself. This is still hard for me, but it's getting easier with practice. The biggest struggle for me is making good choices when I have no energy left because it's all been sucked up by whatever emotional pain I'm experiencing. Totally get this. And easy is earned. Anything you practice will get easier. And I can understand when you have no energy, that's when it's hardest. And this is when you cut back. This is when you simplify. Maybe you take your laundry out to be done instead of doing it yourself. Or you hire a cleaning lady for just a few weeks to help you out. Or it doesn't have to cost money. Maybe you step back from some of the committees that you're on. Or you say no to the volunteer opportunities or to whatever it is that is not essential. This is when you don't worry about cleaning the basement or taking the extra clothes to Goodwill. Cut out the non-essential and simplify. Another client uh, shared, when I am feeling overwhelmed, the high effort items seem to be beyond my reach with the time and energy available during crisis mode operation. I have to talk myself through penny steps when I don't feel like I can give my preferred amount of effort to ease some tension. Action almost always helps me crisis mode or not. So this is uh, this idea of penny, penny steps, penny actions. This is something I talked about at Ascend, and maybe we can go into it in another podcast. But basically, the key here is action almost always helps me crisis mode or not. So not like I need to veg on the couch and binge watch Netflix, but like maybe I need to get up and clean the kitchen, or I need to go for a short workout, or I need to prepare my meals for tomorrow. 
action almost always helps me crisis mode or not. Uh, and then it continues, although I'm not in crisis mode today, I found myself not motivated at work. I stopped and took a 20 minute nap and meditated and felt better. Uh, I penny stepped most of the day and made some really great progress, actually more than I had planned. And then I said, uh, oh, I commented back to her in our group, but basically the, the key here for me is emphasizing simplicity, right? What is the simplest, this idea of penny steps is about the simplest thing you can do to feel better. Instead of thinking of, again, all the things you can't do or aren't willing to do or don't have the energy do, what can you do? Can you just drink more water today? Can you stop what you're doing right now and take 10 deep breaths? Can you cook a meal? Can you clean the kitchen? Instead of focusing on what you can't do, focus on what you can. The next one says, thanks for asking my opinion. In a challenging emotional situation, the podcast that sticks with me is the one hour strategy. Just get through this hour then the next, then keep going. You can do that with food choices and life. When my current work stress, putting together projects that cost my company millions, I tell myself that it is more critical than ever to be eating well. That will make me and my beautiful brain perform at its best. I do my best to avoid stress eating and making excuses. Fueling myself badly will not help work stress. I love that. Bite-sized pieces of the day, even if it's not an hour, if it's 10 minutes. Can I take great care of myself for the next 10 minutes or the next hour? Do I have 10 more minutes in me? Of course. Do I have one more hour in me? Of course. The next comment says, I feel lucky to have all the tools you've taught us in my toolbox to help me find my own answers. I don't know where I'd be today without them. The last nine months have been an emotional and stress roller coaster. When I'm feeling lost and overwhelmed, the question I ask myself is, how? How can I go on? How can I do this? The first tool I use is shifting my perspective. Blessings, not burdens. And what does this make possible? The next tool is what can I do? What am I willing to do? And drama free, not my circus, not my monkeys, power in the pause. If I've fallen flat on my face or into an emotional pit of despair filled with ice cream and pie, I allow myself to have a good cry, scream, or throw a five minute tantrum. And then I put on my big girl panties and use the now and next, which is what do I do now? What comes next? It all seems to come down to asking what is my best in this moment? Love that. What is my best in this moment? The next one and the last one I want to share says, even though I feel like I've had lots of practice, stressful times, it is still hard during times of stress to remember that I even have health goals as I have always gotten 100% swept up in the thing, the work project, the health emergency, the house emergency, the breakup, and had any thought of taking care of me disappear. It's gotten better in that at least I'm aware that I'm not doing the work when I'm not doing it now, but the ability to maintain enough perspective under stress to allow for things other than stress is the struggle. Even under non-emotional stress, I struggle. This week, I'm away from home, driving in the snow for the first time, driving a truck for the first time, meeting a ton of new people, presenting and doing all of this stuff with high stakes. I'm not hitting all my goals, but I'm better than I have been before but on a good, better, best, it's barely good. And I really think that, again, this comes back to journaling. And the simple act, no matter what is going on, creating that rhythm that you never get away from, even when life is crazy, what's one thing I can do today to make myself proud? 
Build that habit because if you are consistently asking yourself that question every single day, what is one thing I can do to make myself feel proud? You'll never get that far away from self-care, right? I want to wrap up with just a few reminders of things that have been really helpful for me. And that is, I will not anchor myself to unhappiness. I refuse to anchor myself to unhappiness by fixating on what is not right. And sometimes I'll just write in my journal, Elizabeth, show me your strength. What does that look like today? Show me. What is your strength today? What does it look like today? You are a strong girl. So what does your strength look like today? And then I have like a a list of things in my journal that I return to when I need to. Things like sometimes when you think you've been buried, you've actually been planted. And remember that if you want a full, lush life, you have to appreciate the rain. I tell myself, be a mountain in a sea of chaos. When it is storming all around you and the waves are crashing through, be a mountain. What does that mean? It means that I'm strong. And it doesn't mean that I don't experience storms, but I know how to be still and stand tall. The other thing I tell myself is, I don't know how the story ends, but what I do today impacts it. My choices today are writing my story. Pema Chodron writes, the future is completely open and we are writing it moment to moment. So I don't want to be too busy rereading my history, rereading my past to write my future. I don't want to be too busy upset about my past that I miss out on a chance to write my future because I'll pay for that. I can't go back. And you know what? Life isn't always fair. And sometimes life does hurt. But we have a lot more control than we exercise. You're creating your future with what you do today. I texted my sister the other day a quote that says, Patience is the sound of silence with a smile on its face. Patience is the sound of silence with a smile on its face. I don't have to have everything right now. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the happiness. I don't have to have all the peace. I don't have to have it all figured out. I can just deal with today, today. Another one I have written down uh, in my journal is, when life gives you a hundred reasons to cry, show life that you have a thousand reasons to smile. And I, and I just want everybody to stay hopeful. Stay hopeful and believe that what you do today determines what you have in your life tomorrow, what you have in your heart tomorrow. And I'll wrap up with a quote from Waylon Lewis. It says, life is hard and sharp and it hurts. And there are some who wear it lightly and mindfully and with class and yet are frank and wise and light. And if our recipe is right, our household shall be one of the hearty and cheerful ones. Life is often lonely and sad and unfair. But if we earn our luck, when we are hit broadside, we shall return fire as we sail away with the wind at our backs and trouble shall find that it's bored with us. Guys, this all is so major because it's not about what you eat or how you know what to eat or what you know about fat loss. It's about your internal peace. It's about your internal condition. It's about your ability to weather the storms of life. And I just want to, again, strongly, strongly encourage if this is an area where you need help first, if you need professional help, get professional help, right? I am not a mental health professional. I don't play one on the internet. If you need professional help, you only get one life. Go get professional help. 
If you just need some help sorting through these barriers and and developing tools to break through them, please check out Breaking Barriers. It's my e-course that's a self-guided e-course that really helps you identify the mental blocks we have. And more than that, more than identifying them, helps you break through them, helps you find your strength, helps you turn your perspective around from only seeing the problems to really unlocking the solutions in your life. I really hope you will check that out. I'll link to it uh, in the show notes for this episode, but you can also go to primalpotential.com and search Breaking Barriers, uh, and there's some more information up there, including like how it works and what's involved, and uh, also um, a preview as well. So definitely check that out. I really love you guys, and I want nothing more than for you to be wildly happy. So hopefully this episode was helpful to you, and I will talk to you soon. Make today really great. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.